0: Well, whoever you are and wherever you are, um, welcome to the online worship and word experience of New Hope Church. Uh, My name is Benji. I get the awesome privilege of serving here as one of the pastors. And I'm just so, so grateful that you're here with us today. To my beloved family of New Hope Church, um, I hope you're doing as well as you possibly can. Um, how, I wish, how I wish we could be together in a moment like this, but we will be together through technology. And uh, just want you to know that my heart is really, really heavy today. Um, I didn't sleep much at all last night. And uh, like so many of you, I'm wrestling with so many things these days and have a wide range of emotions. I am sad, Um, I am mad and I am with you today, calling on the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I just, I needed that worship that we just finished and I need God in a moment like this and I need our church family And though we can't be together, uh, this is as good as it gets right now. Some of you, if you haven't been paying attention to social media or anything, you might've come ready for me to start a brand new series, um, AMA, Ask Me Anything, and I have scratched that. Um, We will save that for later. Um, I've gotten a lot of your questions already. You can keep sending those in if you want, but basically we're scratching that. We'll get back to that when the Spirit of God leads today. God has led me to speak to you about a topic, the subject matter that I'm going to frame with this sentence. It's a virus from which none of us can socially distance ourselves. And of course, I am talking about the virus of racism. And the truth is, I know I'm talking to all kinds of people out there. There are those of you who see the events of late and you turn your head the other way as if it doesn't really matter or if it doesn't really happen. There are others of you who hear and see the events of late and you have a wide range of emotions And because you don't know what to do with all those motions, you just put your head down and you carry on without really trying to tackle the issues that are before us. There are those of you who would say, this is not really race related. It just happens to be a white man thrusting his knee down on the back of the neck of George Floyd for over eight minutes. And if you would say that, I would submit to you that you are not really aware of the plight of the African-American people in America. Still others of you see this and you react and you get online and you do a few hashtags, but before the sun goes down in a day or so, you move on with the hustle and the bustle of the world as we know it. But I must tell you that I have been hoping and praying that quite possibly, maybe, maybe it's wishful thinking, but maybe, just maybe, America is hitting a tipping point. Do do you recognize that language? It's a great book. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Tipping Point. I think he wrote it in about the year 2000. Can't believe it's 20 years old now. It's called The Tipping Point. He says this. He says a tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, a trend, or a social behavior crosses a threshold, tips and spreads like wildfire. He goes on to say this. Just as a single sick person can start an epidemic of the flu, so too can a small but targeted push calls fashion trend, the popularity of a new product or a drop in the crime rate. What happened this past Monday with the brutal murder of George Floyd, I am praying will bring about a tipping point. And like I said, it might be wishful thinking But I'm seeing some very different realities starting to take place in America. And it has me hopeful. Here's the first one. I'm seeing more and more leaders and pastors join me and others in an outcry. Vehemently denouncing the events of Monday and prior. Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans, great pastor out of Texas, said this he posted my heart breaks to witness yet another senseless loss of life as believers in Christ we must band together across racial lines to ensure that justice is righteously served and a new environment for safety equity and healing can be established On Tuesday morning, Barry Cameron, a personal friend, shared this. No words can change the actions of others, but our actions can change the world. And the church needs to lead the way. Dr. Jack Graham wrote this. We cannot ignore the tragic death of George Floyd. The brokenness of a sinful world and violent humans cannot be tolerated. Silence is not an option. We condemn hate in all its forms and stand together to end injustice for the love of God. Beth Moore tweeted this, fellow whites who want black Americans and people of color to receive equal justice for egregious white supremacy to be dismantled. Speak up, don't be fragile. You know what's right. Franklin Graham tweeted this, this makes me sick to my stomach. What took place yesterday on a Minneapolis street by the Minneapolis PD should deeply concern each and every American. It's inexcusable. To watch a police officer kill an unarmed black man is so disturbing. Police are not judge and jury. These officers will stand before God and the authorities on this earth for what they did. Thankfully, this isn't the story of every police department. Most law enforcement are servants who put their lives on the line to protect their communities. That's a good, positive statement, and it is true. Pray for George Floyd's family, loved ones, and friends that God will put his loving arms around them and comfort them during this tragedy. Now, please hear my heart. I know those are just words. Those are just hashtags. Those are just comments that come out. And I know words are cheap and they come a dime a dozen. But what if? What if this was the beginning of a tipping point? You know, I'm a person of hope. We named this church New Hope. And the more I do ministry in this broken world, the more I'm starting to realize that hope is just not an emotion. Hope is a... Theological belief, an action-oriented word that trusts God even in the most dire situations. I say this in my notes, no words can change the actions of others, but our actions can change the world, and I believe the church must lead the way. The second reason I'm praying that maybe, just maybe, we're at a tipping point, and this is huge. I'm hearing more and more African-Americans saying publicly on TV and to me personally, man, we need y'all's help. We need help from white folks. We are tired and we can't do this alone. That humility and that cry for help should cause all of us to come to their aid, to stand in the gap with them and fight for equality and justice for all. And thirdly, I'm starting to believe that maybe just maybe we're reaching a tipping point or at least we're getting closer to a tipping point is as I watch the protests and the riots unfolding in over 30 cities now in America, I think it's around 40, maybe 50 cities now. I'm seeing people of all skin colors white, brown, black, standing together and trying to stand up for what is wrong. I don't know, again, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I believe in hope and maybe, just maybe, we're getting closer to the reality that we shall overcome someday. I'm a pastor and I believe the hope that is most possible in a time like this is the gospel in and through the church. And I don't know if you've ever reflected on this verse of scripture before from 1 Peter 4, couple verses, 17 and 19. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Verse 18. And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So my primary message today is directed at the church. It's directed at believers, people who know Christ. And if you're checking us out and and maybe you're not in the church and you're not even sure what you believe, I am so glad you are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But I need to speak to the flock today. I need to speak to the New Hope movement today. You see, most people know, most people know that racism is wrong. The truth is, though, I'm afraid most people don't know why it is wrong. And the why is very critical. I tell our staff all the time, if you don't understand the why, call a timeout and ask. You have to understand the why behind what we do or behind what I ever do as a leader. There's always a why. So with our remaining time today, I just want to give you some biblical reasons why racism is offensive to God. I don't believe I'm going to get through the list today. We might pick this up next week and carry on. Biblical reasons why racism Is offensive to God. Here's the first one. If you're a note taker, write this down. If you're watching online, comments, like, share, whatever the case may be. Number one, we are all made in the image of God. Most Christians know this, but the implications are more staggering than we might realize. Listen to me, church. As a white man, I am no more like God in my being. No more capable of worship. No more made with a divine purpose. No more possessing of worth and deserving of dignity than any other human being of different gender, color, anything. As Christians, we have to do business with this. And I don't know what you thought when you watched George Floyd die the life taken right out from under him before all of our eyes as a white police officer thrust his knee on his neck the back of his neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds if I'm not mistaken 2 minutes and 53 seconds of that time he was unconscious. He was dying before our eyes. I thought about today just stopping for a moment and just sitting here in silence for two minutes and 53 seconds. It would be so painful. And I don't know what you thought when you watched that. Or I don't know what you thought when you saw Ahmad Arbery get gunned down by a father and a son, not a few weeks ago, but months ago. Here's what I thought. There is a brother made in the image of God. He is an image bearer. And he's killed basically for being an image bearer because God chose to make his skin a certain color. Genesis 1, 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So when you look at this brother, he is an image bearer of God. What is it gonna take for us to start seeing people that Way. And don't give me any of this stuff that he, he went into a construction site or there were burglaries taking place in that neighborhood. The American justice system has always declared, "Hey, we don't get to civ- civilians kill people, let alone do we ever kill someone over property. And by the way, some of us are thinking, you know, it's getting worse these days. Racism's getting worse these days. I got news for you. It's not really getting worse. It's just getting seen more because of phones. What about this brother? An image bearer of God. Here's the takeaway, I'm begging us, New Hope, I'm begging all of us to start practicing this simple theological truth from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1. We are all made in the image of God, imago Dei, created by God, in the image of God. That is my brother, that is my sister. Anytime you see anyone, just start telling yourself this. Here's the second thing I would say to us today. We are sinners, corrupted by the fall. Number one, we are all made in the image of God. But listen to me, that image has been tainted and marred by original sin. Our anthropology is identical as our ontology. Same image, same problem. And this sin of racism is one that has manifested itself in the fabric of America since day one. Racism is America's original sin. You can go all the way back to the slave trade when the African-American person was treated as property, seen as less than human, one of the cornerstones of the Confederacy. Was that they were subordinate, less than human. That's antithetical and antagonistic to the gospel and what this word teaches from the very beginning. We don't have a skin problem, we have a sin problem. And we've all been corrupted by the fall. And until we start to realize that, and still until we start to realize that it is sometimes so subtle and deep within us that we don't even recognize it, we don't even know what we don't even know at times. And now, the reason I didn't sleep much last night is because I was watching cities and riots and violence go down in our nation. And every one of us would agree that's not right. Returning sin for sin is not right. And if I might say so, Mr. President, any comment that would call people thugs and say when the looting starts, the shooting starts, is very unhealthy and atrocious to the situation at hand. We need steady leadership, Mr. President. We need sensitive leadership. We need competent leadership from someone who can speak to the the nuances and the complexities of racism in America. And if it is true that you didn't realize that statement came from the deep south during the civil era, if that is true, that is still yet another reminder of how deeply ingrained this sin of white supremacy and racism is in America. I hope we will always remember the words of Dr. King and his vision for nonviolent protests. He never wavered on that. But late in his life, he did start to unpack it a little bit more. And I think it's a healthy word for us today. In 1968, he put it like this. It's not good enough for me to stand before you tonight and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without at the same time condemning the contingent intolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellions to get attention. Attention. King goes on to say, and I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. I hope you hear that. Instead of sitting back and starting to judge the riots, and I've already said they are wrong. It never is good to return sin for sin. It would do us some wisdom to pause for just a moment and look at what is going on and ask ourselves this question, what would make people do that. I realize there are just some opportunists in the crowd. But the anger is so deep. The history of this oppression is so long. We would do well, particularly white folks, to just stop and look and ask ourselves, what is happening beneath the surface? It's the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear, Martin would ask. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. Now MLK never stopped promoting and casting vision and leading out of a place of non-violent resistance. But he helps us understand a little more violent resistance. Number three, number three. Separating people groups was a curse from Babel. Bringing people groups together was and is a gift of Pentecost. Let me just unpack that for just a moment. Some of you might not be familiar with that language of Babel. Go back to Genesis 11. And in Genesis 11, you see that the people rose up. They wanted to make a name for themselves, a city for themselves. God scattered them. At that point in time, they were one people, one language. God scatters them. Fast forward all the way to Acts chapter 2 and we see Pentecost going down. And God then gathers, if you will, the people groups in Christ as one humanity. Paul would say in Ephesians 2 that he's taken the walls of hostility and torn them down and created one humanity out of the two. If our inclination is to move in the direction of the punishment of Genesis 11 instead of the blessings of Acts chapter 2, church, something is wrong. The punishment of Genesis 11, Babel, scatters humanity while the blessings of Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, brings us all together as one. And oh my how we need to be brought together as one. And New Hope, this is why churches like New Hope are so mission critical at such a time as this. God has uniquely called and positioned us to lead the way. I'm praying more and more churches will follow our lead. I've got several emails this week from pastors in the area because they saw online that I was scratching my message and we were gonna hit this head on and they were just thanking me for leading the way and here I'm calling all of us to get on board with this and realize that the church is the hope of the world and one of the ways in which the church is the hope of the world is that we can build a multi-ethnic church that puts on display Pentecost, Acts chapter two and we can all be one. Four. God's love requires that we love our neighbors as we hope to be loved I'll say that again, God's love requires that we love our neighbors as we hope to be loved come on now, no one can honestly say that racism treats our neighbors as we would like to be treated the great Commandment, you know it well, Matthew 22. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's throughout the Gospels. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. God first. This This parallel relationship with God. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But if you're going to do that, Jesus then says, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. My love with God has to impact my love for all of God's creation made in the image of God. Let me just ask you this question. If, if, you're not, if you're not an African-American, if you're not a black-skinned person, let me just ask you this question. How many of you would be happy and content to be treated like our black sisters and brothers have been treated in America? I mean, hey, why don't you just... Type in the comments, I, I do, I count me. Raise your hand if that's you. But listen carefully to the question before you do that. How many of my non-black brothers and sisters out there would be content to be treated like the African-Americans have been treated in America since day one? None of us. None of us. And maybe if you have a tendency to deny racism or look the other way, maybe that question will haunt you. I hope and pray it will. Number five, as believers in Jesus, we are all one in Christ. Galatians 3, 28. As believers in Jesus, we are all one. One. We see from the New Testament that we are justified by faith and faith alone, but that does not eradicate our gender, our vocation, our ethnicity, but it does relativize all things. Our first and foremost identity is not male, not female, not American, not Russian, not black, not white, not rich, not poor, not influential or obscure, but Christian. And that title, Christian, makes all the difference in the world, or it should. And it's high time that Christians in the church of Jesus Christ rise up, call sin, sin. Figure out together how we can strategically plan, prepare, organize, mobilize and stand up and hopefully help usher in this tipping point. Did you know that um, did you know that before moving to Minneapolis? George Floyd was in a Christian program. At the age of 46 years old, he spent almost his entire life in the historically black Third Ward in Houston, Texas, where he was called Big Floyd. If you talk to the people that grew up around him, he was like the OG de facto community leader. He spoke of breaking the silence or the cycle, I should say, of violence. He saw among young people and he used his influence to bring outside ministries to the area in discipleship and outreach. Particularly in the Cooney Homes housing project. George Floyd was a person of peace. I believe you see that in the video where we watched him brutally get murdered. And I believe you see that in the video that shows prior to that from the moment they arrested him. He was a towering six foot six guest who showed up at a benefit concert that they put on in the third ward. From the start, Big Floyd was making his priorities clear. He said this, I love what you're doing. The neighborhood needs it. The community needs it. And if y'all about God's business, then that's my business. He would help with baptisms. He would help with Bible studies. He would help with delivering groceries and rides to doctor's appointments. Here he is in a picture. I don't know if you've seen this. Here here he is in a picture with the word of God lifted high. So was Monday a tipping point? I don't know. I sure hope so. But we have this proclivity, do we not, in America, to just in time go back to life as normal? And you hope I'm asking us. I'm asking us to put our heads together and to think about how we can continue to be the people of God in this particular area a peaceable people a cruciformed community that is shaped by the cross of Jesus Christ I'm calling us to, to rise up I had in my notes I was so proud of Durham and Raleigh in their, in their protest last night and yet before long We were burning buildings in downtown Durham. But I don't know about you, but I'm on the lookout for peaceful protests. And I'm wondering if you'll join me there. If we'll march and we'll go and we'll stand and we will put on display what it means to peacefully protest and call out, root out this hereditary sin that is in the fabric of America. I'm wondering if you will make sure If you haven't already, you'll start to befriend people who have different skin colors than you. Do you have any friends who look very different than you? Do you ever have any folks in your home of different ethnic groups I'm hoping and praying that this will fan the flames of our life groups around here as we launch more and more virtual life groups. But now we're starting to launch more physical groups. And I'm wondering if you might make a conscious decision. I'm going to do life in a life group that is incredibly diverse. I'm wondering if you'll pray for our nation in this hellacious year in which we find ourselves. And let me just go ahead and warn you, if you do do some of these things, and again, we'll we'll probably keep talking about this next week, and I'll keep trying to give you more and more practical ways in which we can make a difference. But if you will join me in this, let me go ahead and tell you, you will take some hits. But Jesus never said it would be easy. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Some folks have probably already logged off. Some of them might have typed into the comments, I don't know, why is he getting political? Listen, dear ma'am, listen, dear sir, this is not political. The Bible was written way before American politics came into place. This is biblical. This is theological. This is what it looks like to be the people of God. You'll hear people say, well, you're just causing division. We're not causing division. We're responding to what is already divided, and we're calling for unified diversity. Some might say you've been brainwashed, which is someone, what someone said from my hometown recently about me. Yeah, I've been washed. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And my brain needed washing. My body needed washing. And everything in me, that's deep sin, carnal nature, needed washing by the blood of the Lamb. And that changes everything. Calling us to rise up, new hope. These are dark days. I'm calling us to dig deep. I'm calling us to be brave. I'm calling us to human decency. I'm calling us to dignity for all people, fairness for all people, rightness and justice for all people. And if Jesus isn't central in our lives, then there's no way in the world we are going to see sustainable change. But if Jesus is front and center, if we love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, I'm just crazy enough to believe we can see change. I heard about something that will end with this. I heard about something that took place right after slavery ended in America, and even though slavery had ended in America, the ripple effect was still being felt throughout the South. And in this town, there was an African-American man who had fallen on hard times, and he had no food. But he heard of a wealthy white family that lived on the outskirts of town who might be sympathetic to him. So he he made his way to their home and he, he knocked on the door. A woman answered the door and when she saw that he was standing there, she looked around at her few neighbors that she had out there and she whispered for him to go around the back of the house, to meet her around back. And so he did and she met him around back and she she met him on the porch with a big basket of bread. And she said to him, hey, now before you eat, we should thank God for this food. He said, yes, ma'am. She said, let's pray. And as he bowed his head, she said, just repeat after me. And she said, our father who art in heaven. And he said, your father who art in heaven. And she stopped and she said, no, 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 just just repeat after me. Repeat just what I say. Our father who art in heaven. And he said, your father who art in heaven. She lifted her head one more time, exasperated. She says, I need you to repeat the prayer after me. Why do you keep saying your father instead of our father? And the brother said, ma'am, I say your father, because if he's our father, that would mean that you are my sister and I am your brother. And if you are my sister and I am your brother, you would not have asked me to come around the back of your house. Church, this is a defining moment for us. Sometimes we do a good thing, but we don't do the best thing or we don't do the right thing. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is for us to dwell in unity. Dr. King said this, only in darkness can you see the stars. It's dark out there, New Hope. It's so dark out there. But in that darkness we can shine the light of Christ. Will you help me shine the light of Christ? And by the power of God, push back the darkness. And maybe just maybe we'll see true change take place in America, and we will faithfully represent a God who has created us all beautifully diverse and different, but we are one, all made in His image. Pray with me. Father, um, would you stir up inside of us a passion and a fire that would not wane in the days and weeks ahead? Would you give us a wisdom that comes from you and you alone? Would you help us take your light into a very dark world? Would you cause us to be a peaceable people, Father God? Who, even in the midst of sin, America's original sin, would show the world, or at least this corner of it, what it looks like to love people, what it looks like to stand up for the oppressed and the downtrodden and the beaten, the murdered. Would you bring about systemic change in our governments and our politics? Would you help the church lead the way? And would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Father, I pray. I pray for my African-American brothers and sisters who are hurting, who are tired. They're bone-weary tired. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Would you comfort them? Would you be with the rest of us to to humble ourselves? To ask great questions. To learn about their plight. To not be so arrogant and assume that we can understand what they've been through. But Jesus also said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will see God. Would you help us pursue peace? Would you help us stand together in solidarity? Father, we need you. We need you. It feels like more so than ever before. So we're going to do that, which we really only know how to do. We're going to call out on the name of Jesus. The beautiful name of Jesus. And we're going to ask you to show up, God. We're going to ask you to heal. We're going to ask you to hold. We're going to ask you to empower us. that you would receive all glory and honor in your church now and forever. Until we see you face to face, until we enter into the kingdom of heaven where there will be no separation, where we will gather around the throne of God and worship you, the multitudes of your beautiful creations. But until then, oh God, teach us how to live it out here and now. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're gonna sing that song. What a beautiful name and I would just encourage you don't click off if you would just, just sing it if you can maybe you can't sing it maybe, maybe you can just listen to the words maybe you've got to fall down on your knees and lift your hands up whatever you need to do call out on the beautiful name of Jesus I'm praying for you I would beg you to pray for me I love you And I will see you back here next week, same time, same place. Let's worship.